when when i was at business school and i was struggling between not struggling but like i was debating should i join mckinsey or should i try and build a startup with my friend right then i reached out to one of my professors at business school to basically ask him this advice that hey should i join mckinsey or should i start up that was the framing right and his answer was brilliant like if you're asking me this question you should join mckinsey you know because <laughs> like uh, because starting a company is not like it's not it's a very it's more emotional than right than just evaluating pros and cons of two mm. options that you have the answer needs to be fairly obvious and and when i was in that place 2 years later i really appreciated that feedback at that point hey amrit uh, thanks for agreeing to do this really look forward to the conversation thanks for having me um awesome i we started with this question recently over our podcast so let's just get into it uh, what's one truth that you believe in which very few people agree with you on yeah i mean uh, it it's always evolving um but i think four years back when i moved back from the us to india it was not very popular um and and uh, but at that time we i felt that there was high conviction and you know the next decade really is belongs to india and and uh, and uh, i would really encourage if anyone is on the fence people who live outside india and are exploring a career here uh i think there is lot of opportunity to do that uh, and it's increasing every year um that's that's a very specific one uh, and then another one is uh, i i really think it's possible to maximize uh, luck by this increasing surface area you know we we luck by definition yeah it's random like you can get randomly lucky but you can also get lucky just by doing a lot of things over a period of time so you just put yourself in more and more situations that yeah you're not able to connect the dot linearly that how did this outcome happen but but you 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 do enough work that you still feel that yeah i got lucky over over a long enough period of time but it's possible to do that intentionally and not just not just be random about it surface area expansion of opportunities that's super interesting i think the the india opportunity i definitely agree with you in fact i think at the time when you made the call it was very non obvious uh today maybe you can argue for it a bit better it's always better um, yeah. in the future um, but, but i'm sure that it was it's it's fairly non trivial and i think for a lot of people in the us and the west it's still not true um, so that that's absolutely right i think we we are also very big believers in that um, and amrit we we'd love to explore um, your early days um, especially if you can talk about the journey to becoming a founder which is not just a business decision which it seems like for a lot of people but also a very very personal decision and given your background you've worked at top tier firms you've gone to amazing educational institutes um there's always the path which is more set and settled to have a career at a consulting firm and you know just making partner over time uh what was the trigger and if you can talk us through that journey um especially like the thinking and the a drama that would have played out in your head in some sense yeah i remember like it was not a easy decision at all like like um, you're right like before before this 
I was at McKinsey and before that I did my MBA and started my career at ITC. I went to IIT Madras. So I've, I've had the fortune and privilege of, you know, being in all these good in, good places with nice pedigree and, and stuff like that. And uh, But they were all very kind of uh, non-controversial decisions. Right. Like when I when I got into IIT, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll go for it. And then yeah. when I got into McKinsey, ITC, yeah, I mean, they just seemed very good decisions. So there was not much trade-off that, that um, you know, one had to make. And and uh, I think when I started up was probably one of the first times where I had to really like pause and say, okay, is this something I really want to do, or 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 do I go ahead in the path that life has set for me, right? Uh, so I think it comes back to that whole maximizing luck through intention. Uh, like I firmly believe in that. Like uh, there was a little bit of nonlinearity. Like I was in the US um, and and. Um, um uh i didn't initially get uh, the h1b so i moved within mckinsey to australia and and then uh, and then i finished 6 months in australia and then i had the chance to say okay maybe i can go to europe or somewhere else and then eventually move back to the us but uh, but that was a nice inflection point like it gave us time to think that oh is this what we want to do uh, suddenly like a mckinsey looked like not a two year decision but a five year decision um, you you become yeah to your point is a natural track to become a partner or what have you, and uh, that didn't feel right at that point in my kind of uh, um, yeah where I was both personally and professionally. Uh, my wife actually helped a lot in that thinking process. That uh, it just comes down to asking that simple question like, are we okay with just going with the flow or or uh, really stepping back and just asking ourselves, is this ideally the outcome we want? And when you start thinking the second way, it, a lot of second order, third order questions come up. Um, one was, oh, you know, we, we are our parents, both my wife and my parents are in India. So long term, do we want to be in India? Do we want to be abroad? Where do we want to build a career? Um, and and for me, those two were different decisions. The decision to move back to India was independent of the decision to start up. Understand, um, which is a decision in itself, which is, I think, not, uh, I mean, it's controversial, essentially. Yeah, I mean, and I've spoken to a lot of folks over the last four years who are thinking about this, you know, they want to come back to India. And uh, you try and mix the personal and professional, like, oh, if I come back to India, what will I do? And 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 at some point, you have to believe in yourself that, yeah, if you come back to India, you will probably have a, have a good career, just probabilistically maybe a better career than you have in the US. Uh, but for me, I ideally treated those as two separate decisions. So I, I started thinking about starting up, after, you know, just when I knew that I was coming back. Uh, I spoke to my co-founder, Srinath, um, you know, December 2017, January 2018, around that time frame. Uh, but we really got into what we're doing at Zetwork a couple of months later only. And by that time, I was already back in India. Um, but being back in India, talking to lots of people, again, it it increased the odds that that something like this would happen. Yeah. And you you made a very interesting point. Uh, I'd actually not thought in that direction. The trade offs, right? Now um, there's an there's a very interesting implicit trade off that we've done, but we don't articulate it. Uh, and when you said it was a good decision, it actually is a socially acceptable decision. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. 
it may not be a good decision taking all the trade offs and you trade off something that is individual to you for society in some sense um did, did that realization happen to you that you know what am i trading off actually um because a mckinsey job is socially acceptable but perhaps individually not the best decision for me uh, yeah. so no yeah i mean it it was exactly the case with me like i actually interned at mckinsey before i joined so i had a right. decent preview of, of how life would be like and and i really liked my time at mckinsey but i i mean i, I left after a year right. mostly because uh, like i felt for me the learning curve was very fast during my internship and maybe the first 3 months of jo- of my like what a short mckinsey career and then kind of slowed down a little bit to the point where before uh, before joining mckinsey I was almost contemplating not to join i see um, uh, before i started zetwork me and one of my friends from business school we were playing around with a bunch of ideas in the us trying to see if some of them could work out into 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 you know an entrepreneurial endeavor uh but then practical stuff took over like uh, i needed a job to stay in the us at that point in time right. and 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 yeah mckinsey to your point was a you know a great decision like my father was super happy when i got right. into mckinsey right and to the to, and to the point when when i said i'm going to leave to start zetwork he was pretty unhappy like you know uh, am leaving the us and coming back to india so he was not very comfortable with that decision and and second yeah i'm i'm going to you know quit the job and not seek a transfer to the india office um and 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 yeah start something completely new and also didn't have that i was getting married that year so it was just oh my god yeah. <laughs> okay so it was just a right tri- trifecta of uh, unknowns i think which which wow. took him some time to get around to um and and yeah i mean these things uh, these things i hope are, are, will change in the last 4 5 years now entrepreneurship seems more socially acceptable than definitely it was back in my time but it's always an emotional decision right and and, and something that you need to kind of make with your entire family <laughs> while you're getting married and um how did you i mean you didn't have the conviction either when you quit and you move back to india you you didn't know exactly what you're going to build um how did you kind of explore? it is not uh, yeah i mean it's not like i didn't have conviction i just didn't know what i was going to do and so, amrit so just just to add to that uh, the process of building conviction is one but also i think it's a more asian thing where uh, like mazin said you have to make a collective decision how did you uh, firstly build conviction yourself and the second is how did you convince the others uh, or didn't you probably didn't convince them and waited for some time for the decision to sh- settle in because this is that you know the drama that is going on in your head as well as now it is uh happening in your family too and you're doing these like three big moves which is uh, moving back to india which a lot of people are against starting a company which a lot of people are against married everyone is for but still <laughs> it's an important uh, uh it's yeah. a very important milestone yeah yeah no when i came back uh, so i mean i came back in january 2018 i i'm from bhubaneswar so i first went there staying right. with my with my uh with my mom and um, and i was trying to do all this stuff remotely i was trying to get back in touch with people i'd lost touch with for last 4 5 years so i was just trying to get back in touch and you know just announce that i'm back and look you know uh, what what's what are just interesting things that are happening in india you know so just trying to catch up with people 
and very quickly realized that that's not going anywhere like uh, it it was too formal like oh i'm setting a calendar block to talk mm. to you on so and so day and and um, no obvious follow up of that conversation and and so i decided i'm going to come to bangalore um and and uh, just be physically here uh, even though i again didn't have full clarity on what exactly i'll do so i just came to bangalore there were a lot of these uh, short term rental startups back then uh, like your oyo life uh, so i actually stayed in a oyo for almost 4 5 months because i again didn't have full visibility into you know what i'll be doing for that period of time but in that time period i met a lot of people uh, like i just reached out tapped into my network um saying hey can i can i just meet you and you know just understand what what you've been up to and uh how things are evolving and those people introduced me to other other people and uh, and that's when the initial thought process came that okay it's it's you know starting a company um you know i'm i'm mentally ready like i met a lot of entrepreneurs and 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 i realized that yeah, i mean though they don't seem that different from me you know they're they're also talking the same language and and uh, and uh, i'm able to relate to them they're able to relate to me uh, i had never raised capital ever and then i met like a pretty successful entrepreneur he said that you know basis this conversation i'm reasonably confident you can raise um uh, like a seed round if if you wanted to um and and all these things just incrementally helped and and uh, around that time i was talking to my co-founder shrinath uh he was at backpack at that point in time and um, and uh, he was also doing pretty well in his career like both of us went to itc it madras after itc he had started off business and then he was at backpack so he had already seen two startup journeys not just at the 0 to 1 stage but they were all in the 1 to n stage and and he was also itching to do something again of his own so it was a yeah like timing worked really well like um, for me the initial conviction came when i was able to convince shina that we are going to do something together we didn't really exactly know what it would be so no idea but uh, co-founding team is in place very interesting yeah. Yeah. Mm. for me that 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 was really important because i knew that i'm i don't think i can do this by myself and 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 um, and uh, and shrinath and i knew each other for last 10 years we you know kind of uh, could reach it, read each other's mind a little bit at that point in time and 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 it was uh, it was uh, yeah very easy conversation uh, and then we started looking at okay what uh, you know if we have to do something what what does it, what it would be and then and then that was also pretty easy because we had to just look back at what we had done in our prior careers so i my first job was with itc and at itc i was building a large factory that was my first mm-hmm. role and uh, and um, um when i spoke when i look back and start speaking with the same folks at itc who were still there uh, not much has changed in terms of how they ran their uh, uh, some of their procurement functions and to when i was doing it back in the day to you know 10 years later and uh, and uh, shrinath his uh, father ran a small manufacturing unit um, uh, so he 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 was into his family business was into manufacturing so so the the initial ideas of what zetwork would be came about very quickly i don't think we discussed uh, a lot like we maybe discussed one or two 
ideas at max and then and we we quickly knew that yeah there is something here um we just then went straight deep into it we started talking to people in the industry uh, other people like shrinath's father who ran small manufacturing units just to understand pain points and and uh, yeah one is we intellectually liked the idea but we emotionally connected with the idea uh, because i could draw a straight line from my first job to today and shrinath could draw a straight line from you know his growing up background experiences to you know what what we wanted to do so i think that emotional connect was extremely important um and that that uh that gave us the first conviction that we want to do this i i think very uh, interesting point because uh, there are two kinds of approaches that founders take one is and i was going to ask you this question that did you take a consultant approach although you were a very a consultant for a short time period which is look at time and then go downwards i think it was organic and i am personally in that boat i don't think there's a right answer which believes in the emotional connect because i feel it helps you get through the the lows uh, a lot uh, a lot better than if you're just doing it in a very analytical way uh, so that's that's quite interesting yeah i mean for us it was not analytical at all like uh, today we are very analytical you know we right. apply we apply that consulting rigor yeah because you are uh, at scale now but i think in the uh, in the first few years it's it's extremely has to be passion driven is it's my opinion i i agree that's quite interesting and like you wouldn't intuitively find somebody to be passionate about a b2b business uh, because <laughs> yeah. a consumer consumer businesses you know we've we've seen ourselves as pain points but now i i see why you felt it was a pain because you were surrounded by these people when you were working facing the same problems and and i think you must have connected to that problem we did and and our first job at itc was also very atypical like and i realize that today uh my first job literally i was fresh out of college um and i was put in charge of building a factory <laughs> right where, where there was basically empty land and over two years we built a massive factory it's a huge i think almost 2000 people worked there mm. and and uh, and i was working 24 by 7 uh for like 2 years i was handling almost 80 to 100 million dollars of spend i was hiring close to 100 200 people you know every 3 4 months and uh, i didn't realize that that's not a typical first job you know right that's very unusual first job right. is yeah you go through a very apprentice yeah. program this was literally in hindsight we were thrown into the deep end yeah, but like that yeah uh, yeah almost entrepreneur in residence for itc it's yeah yeah i mean we yeah i mean at the end of two years i had a factory to show for all my hard work <laughs> right. so i That's could insane. which is the which is the challenge i had with yes. like uh, mm. like there was a lot of hard work that went in but it was unclear what what was happening because of that um but in the, in this case yeah, i had a very tangible output and you know it created an economic engine and and i really <laughs> felt that uh, that that set us both me and and shinad also had a similar kind of he did he didn't build a factory but he did more like lot of work in agriculture uh, but he was working close to farmers and we learned about business not through excel which i think what happens a lot today in most typical first jobs uh, especially if you go to good undergrad college you either take a let's say banking or a consulting job or even if you're working at a corporate you largely work on your computers uh, which is uh, which we did that but 
but that was maybe 20% of our work and um, i think that really set us up to emotionally appreciate what we were doing because right. we had a we had a good touch and feel for mm. for for understand and i think uh, you know before we get into what zetwork started doing and how you guys have evolved the second question which i had which was convincing others who matter yeah. uh, how was that uh, what's the process like whatever you can share uh, would love to learn no my uh, my wife has been like number one kind of uh, not just me convincing her but her convincing me also you know that okay. that uh, <laughs> like you can do it that, that this is something that that we can do you know and right. and in fact you know do you, you come across all these uh, these things become clear in moments of uncertainty and doubt and 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 uh, you know by between january to march when we formally started zetwork there are lots of these ups and downs you know you talk you we, we we decided that we want to raise capital to start the business and uh, raising a seed round that time we raised a million dollars which is uh, lesser than what typically gets raised today but uh, but uh, you know we met so many people and we got so many rejections and initially also it was not clear whether the rejections were personal or professional it felt very personal and and um, and uh, um and then it you know in that moment you need somebody to tell you that yeah you may have been rejected 10 20 30 times but you need only one yes that's all that matters to start this process and and uh, you know so so more than me convincing my wife you know she was constantly you know chernia was constantly trying to you know keep our goals on target uh with my parents it was slightly different as my father was like very unconvinced like and at one point i i think i just said i'll i'll sort this out later you know let me let me actually get some momentum and then i'm sure eventually he'll understand it he was not against it but he was like little, like i don't know what the right word is maybe disappointed or something like that like it was i it think was asian not, parents uh, are always disappointed regardless <laughs> of what you do <laughs> But he was not <laughs> no to him to him it just felt like it was a bad decision and it came from his background like he tried to start a business in dot com boom and he lost lot of money and so he just felt that somehow you know it's not we are not suited for business you know that that was that was his take away from that uh, whereas my mother was completely opposite like she she has just blind support you know just uh, um yeah you have done so well in life and hence you know what you're doing right so um and she also ran she also quit her job at 50 55 to start her own non-profit which is also entrepreneurial in 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 her domain so she understood that you know starting a company could be very rewarding um again may or may not be financially but definitely from a you know life's purpose point of view so she was very supportive and and uh, anyway my dad my dad also helped he gave me a deadline like look your wedding is in december <laughs> you need to you need to figure it out by then you know so so there was a artificial deadline to yeah so the, fun, the there was a fundraising supposed to happen before that was that no i mean uh, fundraising/prod market fit you know so okay we, we we got to pro, we got to we we actually raised our series a uh like a week before my wedding so, oh so there's uh, like <laughs> there's like vc they're like vc expectations and then there's parent expectations pmf for dad yeah. <laughs> this is the first time i've heard it 
but i'm sure all founders go through it for for sure yeah. it's amazing and so let's jump into what zetwork does for our listeners uh, maybe if you can explain in simple terms yeah i mean so you know what we do today and and we have kind of evolved over the years a little bit but um, but we work essentially work we are a marketplace for uh, manufacturing the what we do is we work with mid to large companies who want to get various products made we partner with these companies typically at the design slash concept phase when these products are just ideas um either hand drawn or computer sketches or whatever and we essentially convert that digital design into a physical product that we can touch and feel uh, but the way we do it is a asset light model where we partner with lots of third party manufacturers and contractors uh, so our role as a business becomes adding that digital layer through which matchmaking can happen pricing can happen and ultimately fulfillment can happen um and 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 we do it for a wide variety of products uh i think we are also discovering how deep the you know inefficiencies in the supply chains are um so while we started uh, with a core focus on industrial goods so where you know our customers would be you know some of the largest pick your name tatas lnts these kind of industrial conglomerates in india today we work with a lot of consumer brands also um uh, so our, our business is uh, constantly evolving um and but the 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 pain point we are solving for the customers stays the same you know they want a reliable manufacturer there has to be uh, no surprises on time or quality if you say 30 days give the product in 30 days and of course it should be in our perspective and uh, as simple as it sounds it's not a easy thing to deliver you can maybe deliver it once or twice but to deliver it for hundreds or thousands of transactions over years uh, that's the business we have built and that's that that just sounds incredibly impressive it sounds like you know there's a lot but but i i our listeners love hearing about how you started and how you got your first customer so maybe you can tell us how you started and how that's very different from where you are today i mean our first customer was so random like uh, like uh, i mean I'll, i'll i'll take a step back like initially we wanted to build saas we wanted to build software for people like me at itc who were managing large projects to manage their procurement better that was the thesis we thought we will through this we will sell software to 10 companies each company will onboard 100 suppliers we'll get 1000 suppliers we'll create a marketplace of suppliers that was the straw man uh, straw man uh, theoretical kind of approach um, and i do, i still i don't think it's a bad approach yeah. like it's it's there's companies in the us like ariba who have built massive businesses pretty much with this no any sense it's but, it's a hook uh, and then you build up a, a a marketplace you build one side you build the supply and then yeah. the one side yeah. yeah yeah and then and then we started with this we went to a lot of these companies and said hey will you do you need this do you have this pain point and all, almost all of them said yes it was very again that gave conviction that when we talked to customers course we were still discussing theory mm-hmm. that will you use a software like this uh, because your sap does only issues a purchase order there is a lot of activity that happens before you issue a purchase order to a supplier mm-hmm. and there's a lot of activity that happens after you issue a purchase order you want to track whether the order has actually been fulfilled there is no software today which addresses these two pain points uh, most erps will just say i'll issue an order and i'll take an invoice this is in b2b 
now now we we raised a our seed round uh we built the software initial like a mvp we went back to the same customers and said look we've built what you asked um now how do we convert this into a sale and then the reaction was the exact opposite of you know there was a lot of enthusiasm when we were discussing theory and when they actually had to do something they like you you discovered all kinds of reasons you <laughs> discovered like uh for some of these large multinational companies i don't make any software decisions in india so that was it <laughs> that's what i can't do i can't i can't do anything i can i can connect you to my cio who sits in us yeah. you know, that's that's the best i can do some of the indian companies were like i have a in house it team i'll build this myself you know um yeah. so you got all kinds of reasons and then and then we quickly realized that enterprise sales in india is hard yeah. um but uh, at the same time all these companies are asking can i use your software to discover new suppliers and and stuff like that and and so we picked up on that team and said okay let's try and pick one small category and see if we can introduce new okay. suppliers to the okay. buyer because suddenly the buyer could take that decision the buyer could was allowed to pick a new supplier that's an interesting way to think about it so it was you're uh, looking at but, their decision making ability and they couldn't actually buy software but they could choose their yeah. buyer wow. okay we were discussing what is a typical day look like you know what kind of decisions they make right. and and uh, which is the simplest from a go to market um and so we said okay we'll build a marketplace um but if, if, i mean it again it was again still theory we we added some suppliers but we didn't know how good they were mm. and we didn't really know how to underwrite suppliers mm. uh, but uh, we didn't really wait for that to start doing sales we kind of did all in parallel we were just going back to the same customers like hey give us a design you want to get made we will find suppliers for you like it was as simple mm-hmm. as that and some people humored us and just said okay you take this find me a supplier and they usually gave us the toughest problem <laughs> you know yeah. they were not stuff like, they couldn't find someone for like yeah not, they're not like friendly okay. uh, yeah stuff they couldn't do themselves that's what they were giving us so you know we didn't have a good hit rate and we were struggling um and i and i remember my co-founder vishal he was handling sales at that point uh he was uh, lining up for, he had he had somehow got a meeting with a very large company um and he was just waiting uh at the door of that you know head of procurement of you know this large company to get a meeting and you know how it works in india like they make you wait for like hours sometimes uh and and it and it all depends on their priority so next to vishal there was another guy who was waiting so they started talking and that guy became our first customer <laughs> so uh and and this guy was a smaller business it was a 100 crore business both of us were waiting in the office for a 10000 crore business and that's when we realized oh it's easier to work it's with smaller, smaller companies uh, on day one and and uh, and this was basically a european company which had a small india office they had a design for a product called air uh, this uh, um air compressor okay. uh, which is um, um sorry pollution control equipment which is um you know it's get installed in every in the chimneys of all these factories so that guy was trying to sell that product uh, and we said look uh, you have the design we can make that product for you you know that's how the conversation started that guy became our first customer then we start to understand what does this market mean we got more analytical we started analyzing that uh, pollution control equipment market we found 10 other companies who operate in that space so then we went to all 10 of them saying look we have already done this 
we have already solved it for one company uh, and then yeah that worked like all 10 of them became customers um and then 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 we started getting a little bit more you know looking at okay just start building blocks from there okay who is this guy supplying to can we talk to them um there's process after but the first one if i have to replicate i don't think i can replicate it today it was very random literally being in the right place at the right time <laughs> but yeah i mean it goes back to my point of you know just maximizing yes, luck like exactly. we went to so many meetings exactly. you know we were in yeah we didn't we just took all the meetings we could and uh, and i feel yeah this is luck but it also yeah it was it was meant to be like because we put ourselves in so many of these situations to to get successful and passion was basically the launch pad but uh, the analytical prowess was the fuel in some sense yeah yeah i mean today i think we look at the business extremely analytically like uh, see what the challenge in our business is uh, uh, it's a uncatalogued business end of the day like uh, you don't really know like let's say our customer is a refinery who's oil and gas refinery they buy thousands of custom products but they will not have a excel sheet of this thousand products that i'm buying every year or how much i'm buying or some of it may be in their recipe which is proprietary they won't share you go to a different oil and gas refinery they will be buying the same product but using different language you know so um, there's no standard nomenclature uh, unlike consumer e-commerce where okay you're buying you know a book you know the title of the book you can search Absolutely. it and you can find 10 people who will who will supply it so so we are somewhere somewhat creating that catalog um for for all these kind of unbranded uh, custom products and and then uh, and then we in some ways we are trying to discover what is the time of each of those products and where we should spend time and and uh, because we can go grow the business in any direction uh, but ultimately over a long period of time we should probably pursue markets which are growing um, and the time the size is big and there is some some inflection point in that industry um, that's where we have seen maximum success um, so so yeah we we you you become more analytical over a period of time and in a lot of ways you know this was sort of before you even started zetwork this was sort of a bet in india and and you believed in the indian manufacturing sector would like to talk about that a little bit at the macro level china historically has been a leader in the space uh, what strengths do you think india has as a market and, and and why do you think that they've emerged now as as a global supplier yeah i mean when you for any kind of manufacturing the, the three key problems you're solving are time quality and cost um like you want to be reliable on all three parameters um that um, that yeah, if you're giving a product to a indian manufacturer uh, they if you say 30 days it'll be done in 30 days quality will be perfect and you know the price makes sense uh if you analyze all these three parameters and compare us to you know some of these other stronger countries uh you know there are pop- parts of the market where india is very strong already but as a whole we are still behind you know the the key advantage you know countries like china and even vietnam we we have a lot of supply in vietnam the key advantage there is uh, 
if you say i want this product in 30 days they often give it to you in 25 days um you know whereas in india uh, it is a it is a challenge it can be uh, it is generally never get done very rarely it'll get done in 30 days it can but and the the upper side is infinite sometimes you know you have no you have no <laughs> predictability on how long it takes uh, but that's also opportunity for companies like us you know we we provide that uh, more reliable layer um, through aggregation and through technology through various uh, business model innovations that in our case 30 days is often 30 days uh, or if not 30 days then here is a here is a uh, portal you can log into and check the real time status it's like when you're ordering food in general you get it in 30 30 minutes sometimes it gets delayed but when it gets delayed you can check your app and that gives you comfort that okay yeah there's little bit of delay but whatever it'll it'll come uh that you extrapolate that over 3 months 6 months time period per transaction there is a lot of anxiety for buyers which we are reducing right so um so you know as a macro i think india will eventually catch up uh, on all these things but today definitely time is a problem on cost parity is starting to come uh, between between india and other markets so i think uh, a lot of growth will come because the cost parity is there but for india to be truly successful they have to also deliver on time and quality um, which which i would say we are not fully there as a, as a as a country and i love that framework of thinking it thinking about it in in terms of those three parameters uh, but for zetwork as a company i believe you guys transformed during the pandemic right i mean from a predominantly indian supplier base to to becoming a lot more global uh, can you talk us through a bit through the transition uh, and yeah yeah i mean we had multiple transitions like one is we were purely doing industrials uh we expanded into consumer products uh during the pandemic okay. and today it's 20 25% of our business uh we were primarily doing india both on demand and supply today almost again 20% of our revenue comes from international markets another 10% of our supply comes from international markets uh so and and you see all permutation combinations you know the the, the biggest combination is the uh, us like india india is the biggest followed by us okay. india but we also do us vietnam we do us china mm. we do um, you know middle east india europe india uh, europe vietnam so uh, you know these uh, yeah it's a n by n matrix of combinations and i, I can usually visualize the future where you know there'll be more such combinations which add to complexity you know for yeah, for the business i mean on that note uh, it definitely adds to complexity how have you chose has, has it just been organic as stuff has come up you've kind of expanded into it as it been deliberate i mean both like uh, like there is a version of the company which would have been pretty happy doing just india yeah. and and uh, and we would have probably still grown yeah. if not at the same speed but you know somewhere close but uh, around 2 years back what happened was uh, and this is again you know global supply chain shifts geopolitics you know us companies are just aggressively looking to diversify uh, out of uh, you know purely being dependent on one country and one country could be china could be mexico could be vietnam wherever they were sourcing most of it from and and they they want to add at least one or two more countries where they buy you know most of their product from and and just 
just by sheer market size india is in the kind of mind share of most of these you know companies so our initial few leads from us came completely organic you know us companies started reaching out to us uh, pinging our website and and saying hey can you make part a part b part c uh, and we did a few just to see what it's like but then we quickly understood the shift that is happening and again like there was always a mathematical equation at which india made sense but it it was beyond math it was more emotional people really wanted to diversify and 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 possibly add india to their sourcing mix and that combination of uh, math plus emotion was we felt was a once in a generational shift you know it's not going to happen 5 years later 10 years later so if we don't act on it today we will miss the bus uh, and so we you know started building our us business so yeah a bit opportunity and then and then being strategic again which seems to be a common theme uh i actually want to um you know double click a little bit on on the one example that you gave that even if you are late you are able to track it and and, and having that data and tech giving a kind of you know modern consumer experience to people definitely has its benefits in this traditional space do you have more examples of other kind of experiences that you've been able to deliver uh using tech and and, and data that you know yeah i mean and, uh, and like the- amrit i think just to add to that any frameworks which help you make these company direction shifting decisions um in the process of doing that because in the early days of a startup i think it happens so many times people call them pivots but i think a uh, a startup is pivoting every day in some degree is just that the sometimes the degree is much larger so uh, if you can walk us through that too uh, just building on mazen's question yeah i mean like the short of it is uh, like there needs to be some clear vision um and and uh, there are multiple paths to get to that vision um and and then and then then you can decide what to act on today and what features at work will solve uh, and 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 uh, when it in our case that it comes down to that like we knew that there was a version of the company even on day one which would be global which would you know expand outside the core industrial focus within the within what we were doing we just didn't know when that would happen uh, and we were patient we we didn't really want want to force fit it today or tomorrow but we knew that at some point we wanted to touch all these kind of different markets now now when we have that clarity that we want to do it at some point then we look for the right time and right time usually is there is some disturbance in the market um china plus one is one example even within india uh, today a lot of indian electronics companies import product from uh, you know asian countries and now are looking to set up their own manufacturing unit um all of this happened again during covid now there's regulation which kind of incentivizes that there is things like pli which incentivizes you to set up your own manufacturing unit uh, so probably there could not cannot be a better alignment of you know time market opportunity uh, our ability to serve um so hence we kind of do it today so of course in the vision also keeps evolving there is not a static vision so you know and that requires constant check-ins with your co-founders with with your with your uh, you know um, just being real about the business you have built and you know 
you know how long you know and how big do you want to grow it and 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 that vision evolves but uh, but having a point of view is important having no point of view can lead you to like some random directions um so it starts with that um and and uh, and i would say we have we try and be we try and be clear ourselves so that we can give clarity to the org and we can give clarity to you know uh, the story that the company is creating um so no, it, it starts with that uh, broadly I understand and this um, international business strategy um you said it was a combination of being organic as well as prepared in some sense uh, when did you start like doubling down on it and if you can talk through the future of the company uh, given that context yeah. which i think it will be very important for you now yeah i mean today international is almost 20% revenue and 10% supply so almost 30% of our business happens in you know non rupee today that's how we describe international uh, trade for us right and and uh, yeah i mean it was zero basically one and a half two years oh. ago and 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 it it, uh, it it yeah i mean the key part was that whole covid related disruption like b- before covid us china also had uh, tariffs where uh, um, you know when us companies imported product from china it was suddenly 25% more expensive and so you started seeing some of the industries moving to india and 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 uh, but but if you start looking at it in data you're already too late right because data data will show one year later only so so you uh, sometimes we have the privilege of being very early to see some of these con- uh, things happen before they happen uh, it's interesting i'm i'm starting to realize some of this like we I was just meeting a bank yesterday, meeting one of the economists, and and some of the trends they were forecasting. We are already seeing some of that today, right? Uh, because uh, our customers are building lots of new factories, lots of new infrastructure. They are asking for parts. They have not yet built that factory. Once they build that factory, it will show up as a data point. That yeah, it's a factory. That come, it's a factory. But uh, for us, we get to see it very, very early. Sometimes two years earlier than when it has actually happened, right? and and uh, and then but there's a lot of noise also so i mean that's the kind of tricky part of what is signal what is noise um ultimately the company success is a reflection of how good we navigate that signal and noise right. and and make fewer mistakes and and i think you make a interesting point i think in the digital world perhaps uh an underlying trend starts reflecting very fast because it's being measured but in the physical world they're like blocks in some sense so what's being yeah. built in the underlying world uh, reflects a lot later i think a good parallel very different is uh, chat gpt and open ai uh, because they suddenly arrived with um, an explosion but people in the inside obviously knew that um, this yeah. you know this was being built and i think because you're seeing the inputs coming into play you'll also know that the output is there uh, and and related to that you, you while you are a technology company you are uh, your underlying core business is physical it had a once in a century kind of impact um, and perhaps if you add the war there probably two in some generational kind of changes uh how did you navigate that was there any impact on the company uh, cultural uh, changes uh, given the physical nature of your core business 
yeah i mean uh, it was definitely a tough year like when when covid first happened uh, i think it was tough for i mean the the good part about covid if i can say use that language is that it was tough for everyone you know we were not kind of unique in that sense um uh, of course if you are a purely digital business then the impact on you was less but for any commerce company uh, you know it was kind of universally impacted in some sense and and um, so while while uh, there was a lot of chaos in the first few months the bigger part was how long is this going to be and i think if you ask 10 people you got 10 different answers uh, in the most optimistic would be are they going to go away next week or next month and then you had people who this is going to be for next two years and ultimately those people were right it was for another two years uh, but but uh, but in increase i mean slowly over a period of time things start getting better uh, you're right the hard part about our business is we have physical operations uh, which means that there is a part of our company who could never be remote um uh, i mean there were people on the ground you know who were uh, doing operations and things like that and hence us as a business we took a call that uh, while as as corporate we could be remote it could be you know it was and we were remote for almost 6 9 months but the moment we were able to come back we want to come back to office uh, irl just so be, just because it's the right thing to do it doesn't it didn't make sense for us as a company to have two different cultures you know corporate team being remote and the operations team you know uh, being being uh, irl we didn't we didn't like that dichotomy because we also don't operate like that as a business you know we don't create silos as functions that okay some functions are special and some functions are you don't want to give that messaging um so you know so we have been kind of uh, working um, uh, from office um we were actually very early to go remote we went remote in february 2020 before the world had shut down uh, was this uh, also because, was... because you saw the signals in data in some sense or no i mean it is easier answer i was actually in the us in february okay. 20 and i could just see the train wreck okay. happening okay so we we went to office very we went remote very quickly but we also turned that switch back quicker than Others. a lot of other mm. companies um and that was that is more value driven than than anything else that you know we didn't want to have two different cultures within the company that that coexist understand and uh you know what's most exciting for you in the near term from a company standpoint is it the international business that you're most excited about yeah i mean uh, there is for us there is lots to be excited about like uh, uh, you know we see three key themes play out in the next 12 months one is this whole international which is china plus one uh, i think we are still in the infancy of that uh the same way in you know indian outsourcing business from a software outsourcing point of view is still a growing business even though it's such a large industry already i think the if we extrapolate that to you know physical products we are very very early and i think i see a 10 to 20 year old trend where lot of uh, manufacturing will move to india the spin of that which is you know related trend is indian companies also localizing you know this whole make in india movement right 
in india also imports a lot of product and and that is also in a way a national waste and we are seeing a lot of companies starting their journey of localizing products in india again you know it is year one of probably a 10 20 year uh, long trend uh, and the third third thing is you know just the core india story in, in india is growing right i think we are all, we are all believers of that in this call for sure and 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 hopefully people who are listening and and uh, you know there is a credible path for the economy to touch 5 trillion 10 trillion pick a number right um, uh, over our lifetime right and 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 in a sense the work we do uh, it is very behind the scenes but india's growth cannot happen without our growth right um because we supply a lot of the piping for the infrastructure yeah and your growth will happen with india's growth as well it works both ways yeah. i think yeah so so we are we are all symbiotically intertwined and and uh, and uh, yeah we are big believers um, you know and and uh, and yeah certainly from our vantage point things look extremely optimistic uh, things are getting better every year and and uh, and certainly you know while we are into this whole manufacturing industry you know there is a lot we are not able to do so we would love more entrepreneurs to enter this industry right uh, and and we have also created a program internally uh, to support early stage companies we don't really make any money of it it is more mostly to give back to the ecosystem um so i believe that you know we'll see a lot of pretty you know meaningful i don't know about how large they'll be but meaningful companies that come out of the whole indian manufacturing story over the next decade understand and uh, you know why we call this podcast founders unfiltered is uh, one piece of unfiltered advice you've got uh, that you would love to share with our listeners yeah i mean i've got so many like i've had the i think very good fortune of having great mentors throughout throughout my journey my first boss at itc was sanjeev rangras uh who was the ceo of the agri business division he later joined all the board of itc and now he's on the board of setro so you know we've come a full circle mm-hmm. and yeah i remember like he one day i was in his office and i mean it was very like crystal advice crystal clear advice and it comes from clarity that you know i was kind of in a funk i was um, not i mean i was doing well but but um, i was kind of stagnant for let's say a few months he noticed that and and he said that look you know there is a version of you which will stay as you are uh, and that is again go with the flow but there is a version of you if you want to change that change will happen right. and you can see that change over next 1 2 3 years but you have to be very clear about your self awareness and what exactly you are trying to change and and then you be honest to that change over a period of time um he basically said that yeah i need to do better right <laughs> and, and in in better language and and uh, but the way he described it was it was a choice that mm. uh, that rather than uh, choose to like this is what you should do he gave yeah. you the framework to decide and it's quite fascinating actually your choice to remain where you are or yeah and and where you are is not a bad yeah. place like you you know doing well optically and all right. of that but but if you i deep down you know that you know you can you can do better you do better mm. and that is a very difficult conversation to have with yourself right so you always you always try to blame somebody right. else for 
something that is not going well in your life uh but but if you take full accountability you realize that you know everything is under your control in some sense fascinating and and i think maybe uh which cannot be translated but his tone and the place of care i think uh you know i even shared this today that a lot of people have this instinct to prescribe rather than describe or give a framework people are not looking for advice they are just looking for a framework to make a decision and um, i think people who really care they never tell you to do anything specifically they'll give the lay of the land and they'll say these are the options you have you choose um and i'm sure like the way he delivered it obviously came from a place of care and i think mentors are those people who tell you the right things but you also know that their intent is um in the right place and i think that yeah i i i have another one which which i just remembered as we were speaking like when when i was at business school and i was struggling between not struggling but like i was debating should i join mckinsey or should i try and build a startup with my right. friend again i reached out to one of my professors at business school who basically asked him this advice that hey should i join mckinsey or should i start up that was the framework right and his answer was brilliant like if you're asking me this question you should join mckinsey <laughs> because like uh, because starting a company is not like it's not it's a very it's more emotional right. than then just evaluating pros and cons mm-hmm. of two options that you have the answer needs to be fairly obvious and and when i was in that place two years later i really appreciated that feedback at that mm-hmm. point you know till then it was still theoretical like okay i mean i didn't really get it Very but when i actually did it i'm like uh, yeah i mean if today somebody asks me that question i'll probably share the same language right like i think starting a business is um, it's tough and 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 there is uh, lot in hindsight you wish you know you knew right before you started it right and and sometimes it naivete helps that right. yeah, you didn't really know how difficult it is but it ultimately it's a more emotional right position. he kind of politely called you out for posturing to get mckinsey as an answer i guess that's yeah. what he was saying that's 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 amazing and i agree i mean like nobody asks the question when they really made up their mind between starting up and i think anything else in the world um yeah so oh, awesome thank you thank you for sharing uh thank you once again amrit for joining in it was a amazing conversation thanks for having me guys